Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. So David Law's just taken a most enormous swig of his 55% alcohol uh, glass of whiskey that he's uh, drinking for tonight's <laughs> podcast. How are you feeling, David? I've just downed it. I'm going to have my next one now. This one's going to be my 25-year-old Aaron from my sister's whiskey shop. I uh, can't wait. What percentage is that? It doesn't say. I mean, it must be strong <laughs> if it doesn't even say. <laughs> one of the questions on my, uh, one of the submitted questions on my <laughs> Insta, Instagram, Instagram.com uh, Q&A this evening, <laughs> which I didn't, uh, which which I elected not to answer, although it was in my list of potential ones to answer, I just happened not to, was who drinks the most alcohol out of you, Matt and David? Well, that's kind of, there's kind of like a dog years element to that, isn't there? Because the amount I drink versus <laughs> yeah. the amount you drink in terms of the effects it has on on us is massively multiplied in me. Yes, I decided I would probably say me because Matt lives with his parents, which is, isn't necessarily party vibes, <laughs> boo, booze up wise. Although as we, as we speak, David is pouring himself another whiskey. Um, so yeah, I did an Instagram, Instagram.com Q&A. That was fun. And some tennis happened today. And we have our, we have our semi-finalists. It feels like that's sort of just happened, that we're at the last four stage. I mean, obviously it hasn't. We've been doing this for 11 days, but um, it kind of feels suddenly like we're at the, the very sharp end of the tournament somehow. That is actually what makes you re- remember that this is a Grand Slam because that always happens at every Grand Slam, doesn't it? The first few days with so many matches to follow and your eyes are everywhere and and your days are ex- extremely long – they feel like they're going on forever and then you get halfway and you think, well, there's still another nine days to go or whatever. And then the next thing you know, there's only four days left, which is where we are right now. And it that comes up on you very quickly. And here we are. Yeah, I mean, we've got four days. We've got just semifinals and finals to go. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really enjoying the tournament. I've enjoyed loads of the matches. And there is a lot still that really wets my appetite mm, i i'm i'm it's been so long since i've been consumed by how weird it all is 
Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm now, I'm now anxious about next week when there won't be any Grand Slam tennis happening. It feels like I've lived in a universe of Grand Slam tennis for so long now. Obviously, there were the two weeks in between the US Open and the French, but even then, I mean, that was just a recovery time with the promise of the French around the corner and. Yeah, suddenly we're going to be descended, plunged back into the 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 bad old days of a few months ago on Monday, and yeah, it. Oh, cool, right? We've had five <laughs> slams this year. <laughs> In terms of uh, yeah, when you think of the dailies that the relived uh, shows that we did as well, we'll think of something. Catherine. I think the point is that it really feels like like how you should feel when you're reaching the business end of a slam, and it's really pleasing that it that it feels that way yeah agree uh, yeah pumped matt you pumped i am pumped i'm slightly concerned about just how down Catherine was just there that was that was a thought i hadn't processed yet but you're right it does feel like that and i'm now i'm now also concerned about next week but you know f- <laughs> four more days um today was slightly we'll, we'll have each other and David's got a secret source of whiskey, so we'll be fine. I've got my my sister's got her own shop. I mean, how good is that? I mean, admittedly, you do have to pay for it usually, but I seem to have got these ones free. Um, yeah, the twenty five year olds recommend that. Lovely. The, the what? The twenty five year old whiskey that I'm drinking, right. Aaron. Yeah. The tennis, Matt. Talk about tennis. What happened today? How did you find it? Well, I think we've been so used in the last few days to some really great days. Today was slightly less good, I would say, overall. I mean, the first three matches, I think, combined took about as long as the Team Schwartzman match did yesterday. So it's just a very different pace to the day. Um, But what I would say is that all the winners were probably the ones we would have expected to win. Just about, they're probably the favourites and they've set up two very exciting semi-finals have come from these matches. So as much as today didn't always hold my interest for the entire day in terms of the competitiveness of the matches, I think they've set us up for a couple of very, very exciting semi-finals. Yeah, today felt like a bit of a down payment, didn't it, on days to come? Not that it, it, it wasn't, you know, there were some, some peaks to it. Absolutely, it was fine. Um, it was still watching tennis all day and now talking about it but yeah it did feel like an investment in the days to come Catherine you still haven't got over your crushing disappointment from the Kenin versus Collins match that you spent the whole night thinking about and for the first hour and a bit nobody made a peep did they it was the ultimate damp squib yeah yeah I mean when when they came out onto the court my colleague Russell Fuller caught a sight of them he's he's there in paris and he caught a sight of of kenan and collins fist bumping just before they went out onto the court which which i thought which I, I told catherine about and we thought that's a great image you know it's one of those sort of right let's you know good sportsmanship but the, right let's let's throw down now and that's what we were waiting for and the tennis look the tennis was quite good i mean i thought collins came out hitting the ball well playing pretty well then Kenin really stepped and played exceptionally well and won that first set. But Collins didn't make a sound. And that was all the way through most of the second set as well. 
And then suddenly at the end of the second set, when she most needed it, she burst into life and, and she let rip everything we'd been waiting for in terms of the come-ons. And, and, but by that time, Catherine was in a sort of stupor. I'd already asked for my money back at that point, David. Yeah. The ship had sailed. You were so down in the dump. I really was down about it, yeah. <laughs> um, I just I just hadn't foreseen that as a as one of the potential scenarios. I thought maybe one of them might subdue the other or one of them would get irritated with the other. I, I don't know. I just didn't I didn't f- foresee any scenario where there would be kind of silence and lack of intensity which is really what it felt like. And I now wonder if whatever injury mm. Daniel Collins had treatment for off court was a quite significant contributing factor to that. All, although it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't confirmed until the end of that second set. Now with the benefit of hindsight about that injury, I wonder if it, it was quite significant throughout and in particular maybe on her mind because she really didn't seem to be thinking clearly out there. It was like her brain was scrambled. All of her decision making was off and out of out of kilter, off kilter. Um, yeah, it was quite. It, as you say, David, she seemed to be hitting the ball cleanly enough. It was like something was wasn't quite right in her mind. And definitely, as the match wore on, she was struggling with with her movement. And Kenan was ruthless in exploiting that and, you know, moved through the gears as the match went on. She's doing that Grand Slam champion thing of getting out the gears when they're required, both in the micro sense within the match and in the macro sense within the tournament and with within the season. This is the same player that lost love and love to Azarenka two weeks ago. And here she is peaking at exactly the right time. It's so impressive. Yeah, she's played five matches in this tournament. Four of them have been three setters, and she's won those third sets by a increasingly comfortable margin each time. It's been 6-3, love which just perfectly illustrates, I think, the fact that she's getting better and better and stronger and stronger as this tournament has gone on. I thought she played a very good match from the start today. I thought she was... It was the best she played as for a complete match she's really reined in the unforced errors that were that were a big part of her game at the start of this tournament and those shots are landing in now she's striking the ball with way more conviction than she was at the start she's got a brilliantly disguised backhand drop shot which she seems to be using more and more and she did to Collins's second serve in that certainly in that final set when Collins was hampered by that injury quite clearly, she did to it exactly what she did to Fiona Ferros and just took control of the rally straight away and imposed herself. And um, I think she's looking really, really good and match tough and not quite at the level she was at in Australia, but I don't know whether she's going to need to be to win this tournament. I think she's going to be able to manage her level kind of by a match-by-match basis. And so far, she's been doing enough to win each match. And I don't know, I think I think she she's looking very, very good to me. And she's got, a, she's got her confidence back a little bit. She was shrouded in doubt at the start of this tournament. Unsurprisingly, as you said, coming in off the back of a love and love defeat but she's just built the 
built the pieces back up, I think, and seems to be in a in a good place. Simon Briggs texted me at one forty seven PM, so I think that would have been late stages of the second set saying I missed the early stages sounds like a disappointing lack of aggro so far and I replied immediately total dud gutted (laughs) Simon Briggs has been hanging around us too much Uh, we've rubbed off Um, really was gutted you were I mean we couldn't get anything out of you for about an hour I was really I was really pumped for it I you know I just, I'd sort of base my day around it, and when she, when Collins finally unleashed, Catherine suddenly mm, had gone missing. There was silence. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm having to sort of, I'm sort of searching out the clip in order to send to Catherine to make sure she realises this I, has I, happened. I, by the time I was sort of going to react to it, it was already kind of gone. The moment was lost. There was apparently a moment where she told her <laughs> boyfriend to change seat. I I, I think funny. I missed that bit, but what happened there, David? She I thought she told El Magro she... to change seat. No, I think it was the boy. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think she spoke to El Magro like that. Um, and uh, she just looks at him and she says, says, move, move. <laughs> and, he, and there's like silence. She doesn't know who she's saying it to. And she goes, you're distracting me. Well, I'm telling you, you're distracting me. See, go on, move. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he did. So that was that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Kenin, what is it? Six love final set. She, she played really, really well. Um, and, and yeah, I do think that injury would have been part of it, but I also, the, the, one other thing that did occur to me is you do find sometimes when somebody with a big personality plays somebody else with a big personality, it doesn't always mean that you're going to get fireworks. Sometimes you get them almost inhibiting each other. Um, remember when Corentin Moutet played against Dan Evans and there was this slightly weird understanding that they that they knew each other was a little bit like themselves and uh, and it wasn't quite what, what you expect it'll be. Um, yeah, but that was great think, fun. Yeah, yeah, but, but, uh, but I still don't... I still think it was slightly I think you unusual, maybe need a foil uh, rather a, than a, feel. a kind of yeah. aggro yeah. rival. If you get... You, you need a funny man and a straight man. You know, Turns out that's yeah. true. Yeah, I'll remember that for future when I'm getting pumped about <laughs> matches that are going to be disappointing. <laughs> Mind you, contrast of styles wise, I do think the semi final now could end up being a really good one with Kenan. K- Kenan and Kvitova? Yeah, I think that could be a corker. Mm. Is it that big a contrast of styles? I mean, obviously, Kvitova is so. the 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 bigger hitter and the bigger risk taker. Um, but it's, it's and, still going to be a, a, a hitting contest, isn't it? Well, I, I, I kind of think of Kenan still as a fairly decent counterpuncher. I think she is a hitter, but she, she scurries and scraps. Whereas Kavita is a straight up. I mean, look, she can actually cover the court pretty well as well. Can Kavita, we saw that in that Wimbledon final against Eugenie Bouchard. But I, I think that Kvitova is the closest thing in terms of it's, – it's, it's handled differently, but in terms of putting disappointment of a shot missed behind her, she's similar to Nadal in terms of ability to miss and then focus and on that's what's so, next. And that's, that, that's so key for her because she is going to miss the way she plays. She has to yeah. have that acceptance. Otherwise, she would just get so frustrated all the time. I think that's right, yeah. 
it's it's like a self awareness of her game, mm. isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's she forgives yeah. herself immediately. She just says, "Okay, that's 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 okay, that's fine." Right now, let's. Where's the other ball? Right, I'm going to destroy this one instead. And and I just feel that the the potential for the matchup in the semi-finals is a really exciting one. Mm. Kvitova was was very very good today against Laura Laura Siegmund. I mean, it was. It was kind of a mismatch in terms of level, um, but but given the the roof was off, I, I found that really interesting to see. I mean, we've kind of been caveating all of our praise of Kvitova's performances that we've seen throughout this fortnight. With I think most of what we've seen, she's been playing in in indoor conditions, which we know she loves. So seeing her today playing very much outdoor and really hitting big and swinging freely and it all coming together was was quite formidable really her serve was such a potent weapon today yeah did strike me what a good draw that was today though and and, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to Laura Sigmund but she's 66 in the world and she's never reached the second week of a slam before despite having been on the tour for a number of years and she had a had a few moments but her game worked nicely for for Kvitova and apart from Kvitova's level I think the bit I'll remember most was the time violation that uh, Sigmund received from uh, umpire Mariana Velievich. Matt you uh, you saw that didn't you? Yeah I find time violations not that interesting is that a fair thing to say? I mean I know it Come on, that, know, one, that one was David interesting. David looks like he's going to pee his pants with excitement about talking, talking about I know, this. I know, I know it was... Don't, note- <laughs> don't rain on his parade. <laughs> I know it was noteworthy and right to bring up in the, in the context of the match, but I just find it all a little bit silly. The fact that they argue People so much People do get het up, don't they? Yeah. A second or so. I mean, I think, I think Ziegman was thinking that the umpire should have been more lenient or use more discretion because she was kind of about to throw the ball up when the clock hit zero. And yet you get so many other cases where people think, oh, well, the umpire should just, as soon as it gets to zero, they should call it. Which one do you think? I think the latter. I think if you're going to have the clock there, you stick to the clock. So I I didn't have much sympathy with her, to be honest. What I loved about it, and I would love it. I'd like the I'd like the photograph, the freeze frame of this. I I particularly enjoyed the the kind of passive aggressive aggro of Siegmund dramatically <laughs> holding her position mid serve when she's being called for a time violation with her hand, her throwing hand in the air for the ball toss, and refusing to take it down while she had had it out with the umpire, and she's just saying, "My my hand is here. I'm I'm halfway through the toss." And and they're having this out and they're discussing it. She's not moving from the baseline. She's not going to go over to her. She's having this discussion at long distance, social distance, and uh, and she and then at the, at the end they they have it, they finish it and she's about to go back and she goes. So are you giving me a time violation? And Velievich goes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just liked the tension. It was wonderful. Yeah, she was never not giving her a time violation. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing. It's no. like when footballers argue about a red card or whatever he's he's not going to change his mind it, it was a nice it was a nice moment of aggro in another in an otherwise slightly lifeless match i agree but um yeah 
I don't know. Overall, I just find arguments about time violations a bit silly. I just think someone like Petra Kvitova, as you said, kind of like she just puts unforced errors behind. If she got one, she would just say, oh, okay, and just play the next point. And I kind of prefer that. Apparently, it's our anniversary of our match tomorrow, Matt. And I do remember you took a lot of time. And if the old countdown had been on, I think you'd have been over a couple of times. So it's the man that took about three and a half minutes to remove his trousers. <laughs> what are you doing? It was Grigor Dimitrov-esque. Can you, can you explain that? Because <laughs> that was a, I had the warm-up in the tracksuit bottoms and then I thought I'd better take them off. Yeah, then you I thought I'd better look like I mean business. Yet. Yeah, that's right. Then I, and you were having a strop. Because you'd had this five-minute warm-up where you'd realised that Matt had a backhand like Marcelo Rios and you yeah, stomped over Matt, to the chair. I'd realised Matt was in a completely different league than me, plus 25 years younger. Not a great cocktail for success. <laughs> you thought, I'll take my trousers off and it'll all be better. <laughs> Suddenly I'll be Weird. Pete Sampras. Yeah, it didn't quite happen. Next, but I had, a, had an injury, so I mean the rematch is going to be awesome. Makes me really sad that that was a year ago. When will our rematch be? When Matt's not feeling too good. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't the angle I was I was going for, but sure. I've okay. been under the impression all this time that I caused the injury, David. So I'm I'm actually I feel like this is a new I don't know a new layer to this match. I. I went. I went into the match with an injury, and it got worse oh, during. Okay, because I've because been. I've been feeling. David had to seek yeah, treatment. I was after feeling semi bad for about a few months when you were saying, "Oh, my back's not been the same since we played, Matt." Yeah. Well, you should have been. I mean, I was. Uh, I. I mean, we were playing on a surface that I didn't want. And, no, astroturf um, is and not Matt a Matt legitimate didn't want it surface. Either. Well, I mean, you know, there, there anyway, were quite a few on. questions Who, on the what? Instagram Q and A about. Um, one question was um, if uh, someone had to play Solihull Simon in a match for your life, who would you send in, David or Matt? I've, I've developed a bit of a winning And I thought my, I instinctively Simon. thought, well, obviously Matt, because he's a better tennis player. But then I thought, David would Nadal like just give it everything and in embarrass himself out there if if required yeah i wouldn't like that pressure correct <laughs> yeah. i would choke um go with david yeah i mean i'm not do you go with the I become 10 do you go the with player. the better tennis player or the person that's prepared to well, you know <laughs> i'm the i'm the guy who shoulder charged diego maradona off the ball for his country i mean not literally right yeah literally Huh? What? When I played five-a-side football against Diego Maradona in 2005. <laughs> what? I inadvertently set David up for the... Well, I was going to say for the world's biggest name drop, but actually the world's biggest name drop since David Law talked about hitting with Roger Federer on Five Live yesterday. Well, that wasn't my fault, though, was it? Well, it was a little I bit your fault. You brought it. the subject well, up. <laughs> Well, you've got to tell us your sort of happened. Diego Maradona story now, David. Make it quick. Come on. <laughs> no, it's all right. I'll, you know, I'm sure there'll be a better time than this. Come on. There is nobody right, listening that's not now. thinking, for goodness sake, just tell that story quickly, David. There's nobody listening. <laughs> 
Uh, all right. Okay. So I'm, I'm at a Champions Tour event in Croatia in 2005, and uh, Goran Ivanovic is there, and Thomas Muster's there, and Boris Becker is unable to play, so he has to be the referee because he's got an injury. Um, and the, uh, the Diego Maradona is in Croatia, uh, arguably the greatest footballer of all time, um, doing a tour of Croatia and various other countries. And uh, they decide to lay over the top of the clay court that they've been having this Champions Tour event a five-a-side football pitch. Um, and uh, so they pit the teams. And I'm just the communication manager. I'm nothing to do with this. Somebody gets injured. And they, and then somebody says, here you go, and threw me a shirt. And I was on the bench for <laughs> – and I was on the bench for Zvonimir Boban's team. And Boban played for AC Milan. So I'm in his team. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I'm just on the bench. That's fine. <laughs> the match is going on. <laughs> Goran Ivanisovic is playing. And uh, Davos Shuka, who scored in the World Cup 1998, is playing up front for the other team. And uh, about 10 minutes in, somebody pulls a hamstring and I get sent on. And uh, and I I really don't know what I'm supposed to do because I haven't played football in many years. Um, so I, go, I thought well, I'll go in defence. Right, and I'm in defence, and I'm marking Diego Maradona. <laughs> Diego Maradona, and uh, little did I know that they'd had a team meeting before the match to explain that Maradona, because he had recently been in hospital uh, in 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 a pretty bad way and couldn't really run, that he would just stay in the centre circle and everybody would bounce the ball off him and make him look good. <laughs> I didn't know that. I can see where this is going. So when the ball gets played up to him, I mean, I just do what anybody would do. I just go in there and I just, I let him know I'm there. Put it that <laughs> I'm way. currently Googling and, stories uh, for whether Diego Maradona was hospitalised in 2005 in Croatia. Well, I, I bundled him <laughs> over, put it that way, onto the floor. And he went down, he si- went fully down. Yeah, he went down. There are 6,000 people in the crowd. Thinking, he, and who's this uh, giraffe? And they're, and they're all booing me. <laughs> they're all booing me. Uh, so, I mean, it was there to be won. You yeah, know, did I've you win the in, ball? I, I thought I won the ball. Did the referee he think you won the ball? The ground. Did, well, was Boris Becker the referee? Yes. I, I mean, the free kick was given. So uh, anyway, this happens. And uh, I mean, I haven't played football in several years, but I'm trying to stay out of the way. And then suddenly Zvonimir Boban gets the ball on our team. I'm like, nobody's going down the wing. I'm going to go down the wing. <laughs> so I go, I go pelting down the wing and I'm like, Boban! <laughs> over, <laughs> over here! <laughs> and uh, Boban plays the most perfectly weighted pass you've ever seen into my path. And I'm one-on-one with the keeper. <laughs> and, uh, and I play the ball through the legs of the keeper as he's coming out, and I score. And the crowd boo because I'm the person who's knocked over Diego Maradona. <laughs> and then at the end, uh, it's surprisingly in this exhibition match, the, it ends 5-5. And it's a penalty shootout. Oh, no. <laughs> and again, I'm, <laughs> I'm deliberately staying out of the way. 
because I really hope and I, I really don't would rather not have a penalty. Um, but but I was going to say, surely in five five aside, everyone has to take one. Yeah, well, you know, it turns out everybody has a penalty, and I'm 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 one of the penalty takers. And when I make my way forward again, the crowd starts to boo, <laughs> and it's just this long walk while I'm getting booed by the entire place. Um, so I put my hand to my ear and suggest that they boo louder. Um, Daniel Medvedev did, style. Boo louder. Yeah, Daniel Medvedev style. You'd have been so proud, Catherine. <laughs> this was two years before you met me. Um, and I didn't really have a plan for my penalty, to be quite honest. So I just hit the living daylights out of it, and it went into the roof of the net. And I scored, and I got booed again. It sounds like an all-time you... great performance, David. We've, I mean, you we've, you asked. We've made six uh, months of podcasts with no tennis, David, and this story has never come up. We've been filling time for months. Have you never heard that story no, before? never. Never. I've known you for 13 years. I've got the photo somewhere. Yeah, we'll, we'll be seeing that, please, as a matter of priority. Matt, have you got a story that can follow that? Anyone? I'd quite like to know if David's team won. I don't really oh, remember you, who won. You just think, remember think, your parts in the match. I mean, obviously. Obviously, I remember. I this think, is like earlier when some... David texted the group uh, and said, uh, Daniel Collins has, has won all six sets she's played against Sophia Kennan. And I said, yeah, we discussed that at some length on the podcast last night. And <laughs> Matt was typing, yeah, I said that on the podcast. And... David had just sort of blanked out all the bits that weren't him talking, <laughs> seemingly. Make me sound terrible. Well, terrible, but also a bloke that scored against Diego Maradona. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Um, I think I think the other team won. Uh, with, uh, I, th- I, think I think you'd so. have remembered it if you'd won. Yeah, probably. Mm. So that's about 10 minutes wasted that we can probably edit out. It's disappointing that we have to get back to the tennis now, somehow. Um, But alas, we probably ought to. Um, I'm going to have to drink this whiskey again. It's great. I'm desperately searching for a segue from that (laughs) to Stefano Sitsipas. I, I don't have one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Stefano Sitsipas was blooming great today. Seven five six two. 6-3 over Andre Rublev, who led five... He certainly had 5-3. Did he have 5-2 in the opening set? He, he had... Was it 5-3? Five 5-3. Three? Five three. Five three. Yep. Yeah, I mean, because at that point, uh, I made the other very well-observed point that uh, Sitsabas just can't find a way through Rublev, at which point he then wins four games in a row and wins the <laughs> set. <laughs> but, I mean, seriously, I mean, toe-to-toe for the first eight games... Rublev was metronomic in consistency and powerful, and Sitsipas looked like he just—I mean, he wasn't playing badly at all, but he he couldn't figure it out. And then Rublev really did blink at five three, didn't he? Serving for that set, he 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 blew it to be honest, and Sitsipas simultaneously just grew. Yeah, it was like two completely different matches. The first eight games, as David said, Rublev was dictating all the rallies he's got this incredibly relentless sustained attack that he's capable of of coming up with from the back of the court off both wings he's got such pace but especially that forehand he was really directing it and targeting the Sitsipas backhand I thought and yeah I mean Sitsipas couldn't find ways through him but then once Rublev blinked trying to serve out the set and it it was a case of that he just made a game of errors basically when he went to serve it out Sitsipas then quite obviously changed his tactics and started using the slice and bringing Rublev in and just changing the rallies. And that kind of matches up with what he said afterwards, where he said, um, I engaged my brain and worked out the the conundrum I had in front of me or something, which didn't exactly sound like he was playing a tennis match. It's like he was doing some kind of puzzle or something. But maybe that's an insight into how he sees tennis as this big, yeah, this big puzzle to work out. And I think that kind of fits with the way he plays he is a thinker on the court and um those those last two sets he was magnificent he was playing the match on his terms and just see how clay court tennis really suits him because I think his his return of serve has been quite exposed at times in his career and he's got so much more time to hit that and he can open up the court with wonderful angles play aggressive but kind of safe aggressive and um yeah, he was he was absolutely fantastic in those in those last two sets, and he's now won fifteen sets in a row after being two sets to love down in the first round. And I think that's the most sets in a row he's ever won in his career. He's on this really really strong streak now of just dominating his opponents, and it's gonna it's gonna serve him well because I was worried about his energy levels in this tournament, but he he seems fine on that front. And saying what he did there and doing 
what he did from from five three in the first set, it it was almost like rub, rubbing salt in the room wound for Andrei Rublev, wasn't it? Because he was doing and then explaining doing the exact thing that Andrei Rublev can't do. He can do this one thing extremely well, and I love watching it. I love his shot making. I love his ninja style stroke production, and it can be so explosive and so dynamic to watch. But there, he doesn't have other ways to win points. He is, I am slightly reluctant to say one dimensional because that comes with connotations. Um, but he's plan, a, plan it's A. It's plan A. Absolutely. There is no versatility or, or adaptability in there. And that is, I mean, okay, brilliant tennis in the end won Stefanos sit to pass the match. But in order to change it round to take control of the match so he could play that brilliant tennis, it was the versatility and the thinking on, on his feet and the having options available that won him the match. And even if Rublev had had that thought process, he didn't have the same weapons to deploy that, that Sitsipas did. Mm. And I, I, I do Clay. wonder if he will, will he just accept this is the kind of player I am? Um, or will he try and diversify his game? I'm quite interested. I'm quite interested to see where, which way that that goes for Rublev. Yeah, because I I think if I were to go back ten, twelve years, I'd have probably put Novak Djokovic in a similar boat. Really, in terms of I would have thought he was one dimensional, and he's showed that he's got more to it than that you know as the years has gone on and and I don't think it's necessarily that he just had it he's developed it so can Rublev develop it I'd be surprised personally I, I think he can be incredibly successful with what he has got because I think if he hadn't lost his nerve a little bit today he could very easily have won that first set and then it's a different feel to the match totally because he just faded and most of that was I mean, apart from his his own wobble, that was brought about by Sitsipas just putting the ball in so many difficult positions. And when and once you identified Matt when we were talking about it, how he he started to invoke his slice, but not just as a, as a, a rallying shot, as a way to bring him forward. Mm. And it's classic Federer. It's classic Federer, isn't it? Federer chips that thing short, brings you in, and then he's either got a passing shot option. Or as Sid Sebas was doing a lot today, with his incredible athleticism and wingspan, going in himself and volleying the ball past the guy who's at the net. I mean, I, I I look at the I look at Clay as the perfect canvas for Sid Sebas to show his full array of ground strokes and options because he can paint pictures on it uh, in a way that maybe that he certainly can't do on grass at the moment. And I, I mean, it'll be fascinating to see if he conquers grass, but I love watching him on clay. Yeah, I think that match he played against Wawrinka last year has slightly masked in my mind just how good of a clay court player Sitsipas is. Not because that wasn't a great match, but because it was reasonably early in the tournament. I mean, it was it was the quality of a semi-final or even a final, but because he didn't go that far, I've thought, oh, well, he hasn't had brilliant results at Roland Garros ever. I know he's obviously very early into his career as well, but, you know, he's beaten Nadal on the clay court. Um, David seems to be going for a third whiskey. Yeah. Okay. I'm, Let's do I mean, this. We went in all sorts of directions after two. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm anxious about the remaining 20 minutes. 
just keep talking, um, Matt. Keep talking. But yeah, I agree. Clay is Sitsipas's best surface, I think, at the moment, and we're and we're seeing that. And I think Rublev Sitsipas is such a watchable match. Their contrast of styles, and I think Clay really suits Sitsipas at the moment. I know Rublev won in Hamburg, but Sitsipas should have won that. I think on hard courts, it'll be they'll be more even. What level of weird did we experience in Sitsipas's post-match on-court interview today? Um, n- not that weird, actually. He was he was he was really great. I didn't think the questions were particularly great, but he made them very quotable. He started talking about how much he loves the French Open that he used to miss classes mm. at school to watch the tournament. That was I the way- so he- lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, he he interrupted the interviewer to say i've got something to tell you all (laughs) i used to play truant so i could come to rolling garros did he use that expression no i mean i used to miss classes in order so i could see rolling garros is what he said Mm. he's you david repeating his a-levels correct it's just that one of us is a world-renowned tennis player and one of us is a drinking whiskey, a whiskey in, a, in a holiday inn. <laughs> <laughs> On a Zoom chat. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> um, yeah, it was. It was really charming, wasn't it? I mean, it had a gen- generally quite weird vibe about it, I think, yeah, because of the questions. And, and I do cut some slack for that because he's a... He's a quirky guy to interview, isn't he? But um, yeah, I, he was he was his best self, I thought, in that interview. And yeah, he is so charming, isn't he? I, I think he is. I think he's lovely. I, I, re- I don't know Stefano Sitsipas at all, but I just... Does anyone? I love the fact that he doesn't... Uh, well, probably not. Mm. I love the fact that he just... He doesn't worry about how it's coming across in a kind of cool way. It's not about that. He hasn't got some pre-programmed line that he delivers because he's doing a post-match interview. Just whatever comes, comes. And and it's I find him lovely. I really do. Yeah, can you imagine being 21 and not caring what people think of you? I mean, cannot relate in any way, but how incredible. And actually, I... I I quite like the fact that after being a bit of a so-and-so to him, Nick Kyrgios eventually just kind of thought, actually, you know what? He's all right. I quite like him. And I, I'm, I'm pleased that that happened. The Nick Kyrgios seal of approval that uh, everyone is craving. It has ruined Sitsipas' doubles, though, hasn't it? Ever <laughs> yes, since he played with him. I don't even think he's won a doubles match since he played with Kyrgios. <laughs> since Stefanik was born. <laughs> The curse of the nickname. Um, so Stefanos Tsitsipas will play in the semi-final and will be fresh for, and that could be could be crucial if he is to have a chance. The fact that he got the job done today in in three pretty straightforward sets, he will play the world number one Novak Djokovic. Who I don't I don't know how to sum up the the match that he played against Pablo Carreño Buster this evening. Four sets. Pablo Carreño Buster won the first. It was immediately obvious that this wasn't going to be a straightforward tennis match. Djokovic came onto court wearing some kinesio tape up uh, the the nape of his neck, um, and it, the the manifestation of that injury was was most obvious in the both the power and the consistency of his serve, which was very much off, and he was shaking out his 
his racket arm rather a lot, wasn't he? Um, and Karunia Buster did end up taking that that opening set and probably probably should have taken more sets, I would say, given given the state that Djokovic was in tonight, which to to my mind was was pretty pretty subpar actually. Um, there were periods when he looked better, and actually, I almost think that Karenny Buster played better in those periods. He really made sort of they matched him, um, and because he is such a counter punching tennis player, he almost needed Djokovic to play better for 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 himself to play better. But uh, I I don't quite know what to make of it all. I think a, a different opponent, some somebody. Somebody with a bit more of an intimidating presence or an ability to impose themselves on 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 a match might have might have done more than taken a set tonight against Djokovic. And I his his resilience, Djokovic, and his his ability to power through things and turn the negative into his own positive is mesmerizing. Um, but in in kind of tennis terms, I don't quite know what to make of um of what we've seen tonight whether it's just as sort of one of those weird tennis matches and you're going to see the normal Djokovic step out against Tsitsipas I I don't I don't know what do you think Matt well I think Pablo Quenya Buster played well and I think he is quite a difficult opponent for Djokovic in the way that Bautista Agu has been I think there's something about Counterpunctures and Djokovic having to create a lot of the pace himself and someone who he knows can match him in rallies that does slightly frustrate Djokovic and make it difficult for him. I think Kreniabuster's discipline and steadiness in rallies is not a quality that Djokovic enjoys particularly. But then I agree with you that the sort of extra elements that Kreniabuster needed to take advantage of a below par Djokovic, he didn't, he didn't quite have. He strikes me as a player who's going to probably most of the time push Djokovic but never really beat him because he doesn't have the weapons or the extra dimension to his game in a way that Tsitsipas, I think, does. So that will be interesting in the semi-finals if Djokovic plays like this. Um, he was certainly bothered and hampered, I think, in that first set. He said it's some kind of neck or shoulder issue that he's dealing with. Um, and he also said that it loosened up as the match went on. And I thought that was apparent as well. He, he did start serving better and start swinging more freely from the back of the court in that fourth set, especially, I thought. But where this leaves Djokovic in the, in the tournament, in terms of whether it makes me think he's more likely to win the title, less likely to win the title or the same, I'm kind of left thinking the same. I don't feel like, although it was a match with a lot going on, I don't feel like I learned a lot. I'm not sure there were many conclusions you could draw from this match because you're wondering whether this is a, a one-off for him, this problem that he's got, or whether he's going to carry it into future matches. And we won't know the answer to that until he plays Sitsipas. But what's for certain, as you said, is his his ability to come through when he is having problems is is unmatched I think really we've seen it so many times it's why I wasn't panicking for him I believed him that he was bothered and hampered by something but it didn't make me think oh he's going to lose this match because so often he has an ability to to ride through it and come through so um, just an interesting match that kind of leaves more questions and answers I think for me anyway 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think he probably came onto the court with some stress tonight, partly because of whatever's bothering him physically. And we saw some TV shots of him getting treatment in his practice session earlier in the day by his, I think his physio or his fitness trainer. I mean, it looked horrible what it, what was happening to him. He was the the physio was digging his knuckles into Djokovic's neck, right where that tape was underneath the back of his head, and it, and it was really looked horribly uncomfortable. It's, I suppose the sort of thing that a, a chiropractor might do or someone like that, and. Um, and there was clearly an issue. And all the way through that first set, Djokovic was manipulating that left bicep of his. Sometimes he was thumping it with his other fist. Um, other times he was sort of putting his thumb into it. Or And, and there were occasions where he was m- moving his up, the upper part of his torso around in a way that I think might be trying to loosen himself up for his two-handed backhand. He, he was really uncomfortable all the way through that first set. And, and probably first set and a half I would say physically he he didn't look right and he looked stressed about whatever it was he looked red in the face he looked anxious and I thought he was under he was under real pressure there because he was a breakdown he broke back then Karina Buster won the set and was playing very nicely and the where it reminded me of the US Open match obviously we had that extreme situation of him hitting the balls away we didn't have that tonight but back then I tuned into that match at five all because of Karina Buster's ability to just stay with him, to rally with him, to to kind of at least push him into the sh- the, the 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 darker waters of of a match of a set, and that's what he did that day. And then we know what happened next with him hitting the ball, and, and he ended up getting defaulted. This time he was in those waters again in a slightly different way, um, and I thought his response was actually really. Imp- impressive form wise that he found the form that he'd found in the earlier rounds to turn that match on its head and re- because Corinna Buster only had a few bailout shots where he just kind of lost his mind and slapped away and the rest of the time he was digging in Djokovic was just too good for him but all the way through the match Djokovic was turning around screaming at the top of his lungs at his support team and his box I, d- I don't really know what about whether it was just frustration about his physical situation or the tactics not working or whatever it was but it was a mental battle out there for Djokovic tonight I don't know how bad he is physically um there's something up but and and my mind does go back to the US Open of 2019 where he withdrew against Stan Wawrinka after two sets two and a bit sets um when all the way through we'd had a narrative of him struggling, rumours that he's struggling in practice physically, that there's an issue. And and each match he was getting through it. And then suddenly he hit the wall really against Favrinka. I mean, he, you know, he's coming in as Wimbledon champion, etc. And he lost that match. Um, and, and that's the one thing I have a question mark over for the next match against Tsitsipas, who is playing pretty much the ten of his, tennis of his life right now. And if you put them both at their very best... Djokovic will win. But I'm not sure physically that he will be at his best in that match, given what I've seen tonight. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but I think that Tsitsipas has got the the physicality to put that into question and to push him into those deep waters again. And I'm very interested to find that out. Incidentally, Corinna Buster, I'm just reading some quotes here from, from ESPN Tennis. 
translated from Spanish, and they say, Corinna Buster has said, every time the game gets complicated, he asks for medical assistance. He's been doing this for a long time. I already knew it. I knew that would happen at the US Open and what would happen here and what will continue to happen. Um, which, you know, those are pretty strong quotes. Um, and and he did have a medical timeout. He did have some, or, or at least some assistance on the court. Um, lots and lots of players do. Lots and lots of people have an opinion of players that do have timeouts and, and have opinions on Djokovic and etc. I mean, it seemed to me that once he had loosened up physically, whether that's just physical or whether it's the stress, I don't. I mean, I, I don't know. He was a different player, so it'll be very interesting to see how he goes in in the semifinals. Because I, you know, we definitely saw something tonight that we haven't seen all tournament long from Djokovic, both mentally and physically. Mm. So sits a pass against Djokovic, then David. Yeah. Looking forward to that massively. It's, isn't it? I think it's three-two in the favour of Djokovic as a head-to-head, but that tells its own story because I just love watching Sitsipas's ability to threaten physically and with his strokes, uh, and I think it, that could be an absolute belter. It's very interesting him going into a match with a non-big three, big four player with a fairly even head-to-head isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. Certainly against a, a next-gen player. It's been a while since I've said next-gen or anyone's said next-gen. Next-gen doesn't feel like no. a thing anymore. And I felt really pass... weird rolling off my tongue then. Isn't it, Is it ceased to be a thing? I think the next-gen well, finals are still happening. Yeah, well, he was, he was asked about it, Sitsipas, in his press conference, and he said, um, I'm not next-gen anymore. I'm a proper adult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's like, that's like, um, you know, on your seventh birthday when you think, oh, I'm a grown up now. <laughs> oh. Next Gen Finals is off, by the way. Oh, is it? Um, but only because yeah. of COVID, not because Next Gen yes. isn't a thing anymore. No, no, absolutely right. Um, but, but you know, when, when they listed today on the graphics on the screen, the the highest ranked players of 24 and under is how they ranked, ranked them. And, Medvedev still fits into that bracket. But all the other players were 21, 22, 24. There, wasn't, there were no 19-year-olds in that list. Was there not Yannick Sinner? No. I mean, it, it, there were, the, because they were doing 24 and under, everybody was ahead of him. I mean, obviously, he's properly uh, that bracket. But all the others feel like they've come through that to me, at least. Mm. I don't even know what the, what the, the uh, definition is anymore. But. I think it's... 21, isn't it? 21 yeah, and under? Or the, the year of the your year. 21st birthday. Yeah. So there have been some awkward years. Like I remember Zverev qualified sort of when, you know, it felt like he hadn't been next gen for a couple of years and it was just sort of an awkward thing. Like let's just pretend he hasn't qualified so so we don't have to explain why he's not playing because obviously he wasn't ever going to play. Mm. And um, But yeah. it's become a catch-all term for anyone that isn't the big four really uh, yeah sort of, who's certainly younger than that Raonic, Dimitrov, Goffin, Nishikori age group kind of anyone that is younger than that and hasn't won a slam it's it's kind of we've all put them all in the next gen category they are the movement exactly it's time for them to be players be, be adults it's time right. for them to be proper adults yeah. 
I think he's put that perfectly now. That, that's, that's like a veil that you could hide behind before, the next-gen veil. Not anymore. No, it's time to be Gen. Um, <laughs> so it is women's semifinals day tomorrow. Um, I should say, by the way, whilst uh, I'm still wrapping up today, that Iga Shriontek won her doubles match with Nicole Melikar and is now a singles and doubles semi-finalist at this year's French Open. Which Not is... lost a set in either tournament. Blooming heck. Wow. Her, uh, her doubles semi-final will be on Friday, so she only has to play one tomorrow, but it does obviously mean that she she won't have a day off. That's not that's not hurt her so far playing playing doubles in her in her rest time and maybe she's doing a John McEnroe and playing doubles instead of practicing. I wonder who I don't I don't know this. I wonder who is the last player to win singles and doubles at a Grand Slam. I know is Matt it, knows. Well, I think it might be Serena who I I think she might have won um Wimbledon singles and doubles reasonably recently but I think at the French Open I heard that it was Mary Pierce possibly Yes I think Mary Pierce at the French mm. Wow mm. Uh and the men's no one's done it since Evgeny Kafelnikov have they Also at that's the French right. Yeah So the French is the place to do it maybe Um so Igor Swiatek and Nadia Podoroska uh, they play first at 3 p.m. local time, 2 p.m. UK time tomorrow. Uh, and that is followed by Sophia Kenin against Petra Kvitova. What's happening in those matches? Hands up well, if anybody wants to make make predictions. Well, firstly, the women's semifinals on the Philip Chatrier Stadium. Yes. What a thing. Who'd have thought it? Um, yeah, guaranteed to happen. Really looking forward to them. They're, 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 I'm really pumped for these matches. I mean, I, I you, my were, main you were pumped hope... to talk about a uh, <laughs> a time violation earlier, David. Three I'm whiskeys just, I'm, law I'm, is just generally pumped. Yeah, you you name it, I'm pumped. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I, my my main hope is that Podoroska can play uninhibited tennis again because. I read a I read a stat that she's hit more winners than anybody in the draw. So really? far. more than Sviontek. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean obviously she's played a lot more games mm, and, true. and so forth. But she plays an aggressive game. I mean the way she took on Svitolina, it felt like she just the 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 status of Grand Slam quarterfinal was not a factor in her mind at all. Only in the last couple of points when she was trying to get over the line. I I sensed it then. And Svitolina was making her play balls, you know, that that were tricky under those circumstances. But she just goes for it, uh, which I love. And I just hope she can play that sort of tennis tomorrow and we'll see if Sviantek can handle it. Kenin and Kvitova, the battle of the the former Grand Slam champions. What's happening there? Matt, you're left with this one. I think Kvitova leads the head-to-head to love I was checking but it's it feels a little bit like what we were saying at the US Open about Jennifer Brady head-to-heads Kenin is such a different player now um that they almost feel a little bit irrelevant I think I think one of them was on clay one of those um matches that they've had in the past but gosh I mean I'll be backing Kenin I think slightly 
just I just think she's so match tough and I just think she's very difficult to put away. And I think maybe maybe Kvitova hasn't really had, you know, a kind of real battle yet. I think she she's through in straight sets, isn't she, all the way. Um, so if it gets tight, which I suspect it will, Kenin's shown me a lot this tournament that she will she will handle those moments. But it, it, it also feels like it could slightly be on Petra Kvitova's racket in terms of if she just has hits a purple patch, is there anything anyone can do? So it's always difficult to predict her results, but... I expect Kenin to kind of make it a bit of a fight and come through it. Mm. Yeah, I, I've got I've got a Kenin Sviontek final. What have you got, Catherine? Oh, I'm asking the questions. That... <laughs> yeah, but I've turned it around now. Come on. Um, y- yes, I think I do as well. <clears throat> Me too. Um, it's also the men's double semi-finals tomorrow one Sebastian Cabal Robert Farah the top seeds against Mate Pavic and Bruno Suarez and then the defending champions Kevin Kravitz and Andreas Mies the Germans take on Wesley Kulhoff former former doubles partner of Stefanos Tsitsipas and Nikola Mektic Kulhoff openly (laughs) openly uh, declared that he was sort of using Tsitsipas for his ranking and then (laughs) When he got his doubles ranking up high enough in his own right, sort of, sort of ditched him. <laughs> Lovely bloke, though. Um, so that's all tomorrow. That's on the um, the Suzanne Longling Court. The women's semis are on Philippe Chatre. There is all sorts of uh, wheelchair matches, quad wheelchair matches, uh, junior matches as well happening elsewhere. Um, so we'll start keeping you up to date and across all of that as well because we have still got four more tennis podcasts to come from the 2020 French Open. Um, I've got a minute left, and it's a very important minute, because Cam content has come in. And it is, even by the standard of Cam content, which is just outrageously high, it is epic. I, I mean, it took me on a... It took me on an emotional journey, which I can't quite find words for. Um, so we will be linking to it in all our forms of media. Um, <laughs> it's probably more worthy of your time than this podcast. Um, it is that good. Uh, I mean, definitely. <laughs> yes, I think, um, the, I think the highest compliment I can pay someone is that they have Mary Carrillo traits. And Steve and Cam have that in every time you think... You've seen the best thing you can possibly get from them. They outdo themselves again and come up with something special. And this is special. And Mary's a fan. Yes. Yeah. Watch the video. It's immense. Cam, we love you. Uh, Steve, we love you for making the Cam content. And we'll be back for another tennis podcast tomorrow. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare Short Term Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.